A big shout out to John Schmidt. Oh yes. Or as he likes to be called Schmitty. Oh, he does. He loves being called Schmidt. Oh, is he an avid listener? Yeah, oh, okay. actually, yes. Good. Well, that's that's wonderful. We talked to him on his way to work. Eyes on the road, John. Okay. I'm sorry, Schmitty. Eyes oh, on the road. Yeah, eyes on the road. Yeah. Hands on the wheel. Hands on the wheel. Yeah. One hand. Just one. Yeah. Who drives with both hands on the wheel? Do you? I'll do that sometimes when I'm when I'm uh, tired. I'll do that. That way, if one half of you falls asleep, yeah. the other half to drive. <laughs> I feel more secure that way. I guess if it's yeah. like really raining or something, if I'm like... Yeah, I guess so. Two hands Rainy, on the wheel. Icy, snowing. Or depending on certain people, if there's certain people in my car, I'll drive with two hands on the wheel because oh. I know it makes them feel better. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But Schmitty... All right. <laughs> one hand's fine. <laughs> oh, gee. Oh, wow. Well, Eric, we're going to finish the book of Acts today. Yeah, we sure are. That is pretty exciting. Acts 27 and 28. So Paul has been arguing in front of Felix... Festus and Agrippa. Mm -hmm. In fact, Agrippa said, hey, he could have been set free if he hadn't appealed to Caesar. So now we're going to start that trip. Paul sails for Rome. When the time came, we set sail for Italy. Paul, oh, sorry, this is Acts chapter 27. Paul and several other prisoners were placed in the custody of a Roman officer named Julius, a captain of the Imperial Regiment. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was also with us. We left on a ship whose home port was Adramitium on the northwest coast of the province of Asia. It was scheduled to make several stops at ports along the coast of the province. The next day, when we docked at Sidon, Julius was very kind to Paul and let him go ashore to visit with friends so they could provide uh, for his needs. Putting out to sea from there, we uh, encountered strong headwinds that made it difficult to keep the ship on the course. So we sailed north of Cyprus between the island and the mainland. Keeping to the open sea, we passed along the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, landing at Myra in the province of Lycia. There, the commanding officer found an Egyptian ship from Alexandria that was bound for Italy, and he put us on board. We had several days of slow sailing, and after great difficulty, we finally neared Canidus. But (laughs) the wind was against us. So we sailed across to Crete and along the sheltered coast of the island, past the Cape of Salmon. We struggled along the coast with great difficulty and finally arrived at Fair Havens near the town of Lycia. We had had lost a lot of time. The weather was becoming dangerous for sea travel because it was so late in the fall, and Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it. Men, he said, I believe there is trouble ahead if we go on. Shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives as well. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul. And since Fair Havens was an exposed harbor, a poor place to spend the winter, most of the crew wanted to go on to Phoenix, farther up the coast of Crete, and spend the winter there. Phoenix was a good harbor with only a southwest and northwest exposure. The storm at sea. When the light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it. So they pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete. But the weather changed abruptly, and a wind of typhoon strength, called a northeaster, burst across the island and blew us out to sea. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and let it run before the gale. We sailed along the sheltered side of a small island named Kada, where with great difficulty we hoisted aboard the lifeboat being towed behind us. Then the sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it. They were afraid of being driven across the sandbars of Cyprus off the African coast, So they lowered the sea anchor to slow the ship and were driven before the wind. 
The next day, as gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. No one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, Men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left free. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. But take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For the last night, an angel of the God, to whom I belong, whom I serve, stood beside me. And he said, Don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage. For I believe God. It will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. I love it. Guys, everyone, come here. Come here real quick. Yeah, huddle up. I told you. Yeah. <laughs> no one does that. <laughs> Nobody does that. The shipwreck. Okay. About midnight on the 14th night of the storm, we were being driven across the Sea of Adria. The sailors sensed the land was near. They dropped a weighted line and found that the water was 120 feet deep. But a little later, they measured again and found it was only 90 feet deep. At this rate, they were afraid we would soon be driven against the rocks along the shore. So they threw out four anchors from the back of the ship and prayed for daylight. Then the sa- yeah, then the sailors tried to abandon the ship. They lowered the lifeboat as though they were going to put out anchors from the front of the ship. But Paul said to the commanding officer and the soldiers, you will all die unless the sailors stay aboard. Uh, so the soldiers cut the ropes to the lifeboat and let it drift away. Just as the day was dawning, Paul urged everyone to eat. You have been so worried that you haven't touched food for two weeks, he said. Please eat something now for your own good, for not a hair of your heads will perish. Then he took some bread, gave thanks to God before them all, and broke off a piece and ate it. Then everyone was encouraged and began to eat, all 276 of us who were on board. After eating, the crew lightened the ship further by throwing the cargo of wheat overboard. When morning dawned, they didn't recognize the coastline, but they saw a bay with a beach and wondered if they could get to shore by running the ship aground. So they cut off the anchors and left them in the sea. Then they lowered the rudders, raised the foresail, and headed toward the shore. But they hit a shoal and ran the ship aground too soon. The bow of the ship stuck fast while the stern was repeatedly smashed by the force of the waves and began to break apart. The soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners to make sure they didn't swim ashore and escape. But the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul, so he didn't let them carry out their plan. Then he ordered all who could, ju- who could swim to jump overboard first and make for land. The others held on to the planks or debris from the broken ship, so everyone escaped safely to shore. Acts chapter 28, Paul on the island of Malta. Once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake, driven out by the heat, bit him on the hand. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, A murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. People waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. Near the shore uh, where they were landed was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days. As it happened, Publius's father was ill of fever and dysentery, dysentery. Paul went in and prayed for him, and laying his hands on him, he healed him. Then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. As a result, we were showered with honors, and when the time came to sail, people supplied us with everything we could uh, need for the trip. Paul arrives at Rome. It was three months after the shipwreck that we set sail on another ship that had wintered at the island, an Alexandrian ship with the twin gods as its figurehead. 
Our first stop was Syracuse, where we stayed three days. From there, we sailed across to Regium. A day later, a south wind began blowing, so the following day we sailed up the coast to Petioli. There, we found some believers who invited us to spend a week with them, and so we came to Rome. Petioli. Petioli. The brothers and sisters in Rome had heard we were coming, and they came to meet us at the Forum on the Appian Way. Others joined us at three taverns. (laughs) Sounds like a pub. It does. Yeah. When Paul saw them, he was encouraged and thanked God. When we arrived in Rome, Paul was permitted to have his own private lodging, though he was guarded by a soldier. Paul preaches at Rome under guard. That's not surprising. No, not a bit. Three days after Paul's arrival, he called together the local Jewish leaders, and he said to them, Brothers, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Roman government. Even though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our ancestors, the Romans tried me and wanted to release me because they found no cause for death sentence. But when the Jewish leaders protested the decision, I felt it necessary to appeal to Caesar, even though I had no desire to press charges against my own people. I asked you to come here today so we could get acquainted and so I could explain to you that I am bound with chains because I believe the hope of Israel, the Messiah, has already come. They replied, We have had no letters from Judea or reports against you from anyone who has come here, but we want to hear what you believe, for the only thing we know about this movement is that it is denounced everywhere. So a time was set, and on that day a large number of people came to Paul's lodging. He explained and testified about the kingdom of God and tried to persuade them about Jesus from the scriptures. Using the law of Moses and the books of the prophets, he spoke to them the morning until evening. Some were persuaded by the things he said, but others did not believe. And after they had argued back and forth among themselves, they left with this final word from Paul. The Holy Spirit was right when he said to your ancestors through Isaiah the prophet, Go and say to this people, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes. So their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand. And they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. So I want you to know that this salvation from God has also been offered to the Gentiles, and they will accept it. For the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. He welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ, and no one tried to stop him. Okay, that's the end of the book of Acts. Yeah. Asking two questions. So what, and where's Jesus? Yes, indeed. So again, so what, you know, it's... I think it's important. Paul had a chance to talk about Jesus, and he did. Yep. He proclaimed Jesus, and then at the end of the day, <coughs> nobody could stop him. You know, no one tried to stop him. And, uh, you know, and I think they probably realized that's not worth it. Yeah. He's going to yeah. do it anyway. He's going to do what he wants. You know, and so they had all these difficulties, and I know this is an obvious um, so what, but we can't forget the obvious sometimes. I agree. They yeah. have all uh, these difficulties, and what do they do? They prayed. Well, Paul prayed specifically. They prayed. Yeah. And, um, and so God got them through all those difficulties, and I think because of prayer, and they put their focus on God. And then the reminder here is like, even though you know we know that, we forget that. I forget that, mm-hmm. and you guys forget that. Absolutely. And we all can forget it. And I think it's just a good reminder that we go through times of our own shipwreck, um, or if a snake bites us on the hand or whatever it may be, you know, we seek the Lord and we trust God and his power and strength and we don't forget that. And we come to him at all times with all things, but also especially when you're in hardship. And I've forgotten that at times. And I remember I have specific occasions in my life. I remember one time, you know, it was 2009. I was on the corner in Hackestown, New Jersey, right near Centenary College. And it was late at night. And, you know, the, got the kids to bed. I was out talking to God. 
And I stopped. I remember, you know, I just, I didn't hear an audible voice, but just a strong impression about an issue I was going through. And he's like, you know, ask, or why don't you ask me for help? Mm. You know, and and I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. So I did. (laughs) I asked him for help. You know, it was an issue I I prayed about, but I never asked him to help, help with it. Mm. I just gave it to him, but I didn't say, help me figure this thing out or help me. And then right. from there, it was amazing. It's a long story. It's a different story, different day, but really cool. And, and we can just forget those things and, um, and and don't. Ask him for help. Ask him, and he'll help you. So Yeah, it's really easy to look okay. at this big picture and, you know, look at what's happening in the book of Acts and forget about the little the points of these little, some of these little stories, or at least purposes that we can learn from, you know, yeah. I think that's great. I'm actually going to use the same what, same so what as yesterday. We okay. see again, as Paul is telling his story, mm-hmm. he argues for Jesus out of the Old Testament. Oh, yeah. You know, just and one of the reasons I'm bringing this up is because today is day 348, which means we have 17 days left until we start over. Wow. You know, right? Isn't that right? Oh, no, that's not right. I don't know. Yeah, that is right. I'll believe it. 17 days until we start over. And some of you are thinking, okay, well, I'll join back up when they do the New Testament. Or What? Or, I'm, yeah, no. I mean, for sure, that, that's that got to be a thought. Some people, okay. Like, I can't wait I to take so. a break or whatever. Yeah. But I really encourage you, now that you've just binged the New Testament, mm-hmm. look how important the Old Testament was to them. Yeah. As we go back, man, think about how you guys can grow as you... Read the Old Testament back to back from the New Testament and don't forget the things that you just heard and learned. And that was, you know, that's where Jesus is in this passage is Mm. he's at the center of the Hebrew uh, religion. Yeah. You know, and that's what Paul is trying to convince these Jews of. And then, you know, obviously he quotes Isaiah um, and he says, you know, they're not going to hear. They're not going to understand. Yes. And, you know. That was good. Yeah. And Jesus quoted that too, Mm -hmm. you know. And, uh, yeah, so obviously there's a lot there with the Old Testament, but now that's just where Jesus is again. He's the fulfillment of everything that we've read up to this point and everything to come, too. So Good. Yes, indeed. It's good, Eric. Yeah. All right, well, we finished another book of the Bible. Look at that. Just, uh, We're going to finish two tomorrow. Can't wait. Yes. Hey, you guys have a great day. Right. Make sure you have hot chocolate with marshmallows. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Please don't forget or that. marshmallow fluff. Oh. You ever done that? I think I probably have. No, it's been a while. You've never done that. I, yeah. It's, <laughs> I just made it up. Yeah. You didn't. No. Marshmallow fluff? No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I've had that. No. And hot chocolate. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time. I'd like to try hot chocolate with a scoop of peanut butter in there. I bet that'd be good. I have not tried that. I haven't either. I just oh. That one I actually did just oh. think of. Or how about a hot chocolate with a big Hershey kiss in it? <laughs> it'd be a big thing of hot chocolate for this. Wow. That's true. Okay, this little light of mine. Yes? What about it? I'm going to let it shine. Oh. Yeah. What, are you going to hide it under a bushel? No! Oh! What are you going to do? I'm going to let it shine. Oh! (laughs) Don't let Satan blow it out. Why? I don't remember. Because you're going to let it shine. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, bye guys.